chapter twenty two of asphodel this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. asphodel by mary elizabeth braddon chapter twenty two for i will gladly yelden her my place edgar turchill rode over to south hill directly after breakfast next morning it was a hunting day and the meet was at a favourite spot but he had business to do which could brook no delay and even the delight of skimming across the vale of the red horse on a hunter well able to carry him must give way to the more vital matter which called him to the house on the hill so soon as sir vernon lawford might be fairly supposed to be accessible to a visitor mr turchill presented himself and asked for an interview he was ushered straight to sir vernon's study that sacred and in a manner official chamber which he had ever held in awe a room in which the driest possible books in the richest possible bindings repelled the inquiring mind of an ordinary student who looking for waverley found himself confronted with blackstone or exploring for byron found himself face to face with coke or chitty here sir vernon seated reposefully in his great red morocco armchair listened courteously to edgar's relation of his love and his hope that subject to parental approval his constancy might speedily be rewarded i have heard something of this before said sir vernon my sister told me you had proposed to daphne and had been rejected i was sorry the child had not better taste for i like you very much turchill as i believe you know you have been very good to me answered edgar reddening with the honest warmth of his feelings south hill has been my second home the happiest hours of my life have been spent here yes sir vernon daphne certainly did refuse me in the summer but i felt that it was my own fault i spoke too soon i ought to have bided my time and last night after the ball i spoke again and with a happier result said sir vernon but daphne is little more than a child no wiser than a child in her whims and fancies i should not like a straightforward fellow like you to suffer from a schoolgirl's frivolity do you think she knows her own mind now any better than she did in the summer when she gave you quite a different answer are you sure that she is in earnest that she is as fond of you as you are of her i have no hope of that answered edgar a little despondently i have been loving her ever since she came home and my love has grown stronger with every day of my life if she likes me well enough to marry me i am content sir vernon remained silent for some moments gravely contemplating the fire as if he were reading somebody's history in it and that a gloomy one i am fond enough of you to be sorry you should marry on such conditions he answered after a longish pause my younger daughter is a very pretty girl people persecuted me with compliments about her the other night and i suppose a very fascinating girl but if she does not honestly and sincerely return your love i say do not marry her 
pluck her out of your heart edgar as you would a poisonous weed be sure if you don't the poison will rankle there by and by and develop its venom at the time you are least prepared for it edgar secure in his assurance of future happiness for what man having won daphne could fail to be happy smiled at the unwonted energy of sir vernon's address my dear sir you take this matter too seriously he replied i have no fear of the issue daphne's heart is free and it will be very hard if i cannot make myself owner of it loving her as i do and having her promise to marry me i only want to be assured of your approval that you have with all heartiness my dear boy but i should like to be sure that daphne is worthy of you worthy of me echoed edgar with a tender smile i wish to heaven i were worthy of her she is very young said sir vernon thoughtfully nineteen on her next birthday but that birthday is nearly a year off i hope you will not be in a hurry to be married i shall defer that to your judgment though i think as i can never feel warmly interested in hawk's yard till i have a wife there the sooner we are married so far as my happiness is concerned the better of course you young men have always some all-sufficient reason for being over the border with the lady how will your mother relish the change poor edgar winced at the question feeling very sure that mrs turchill would take the event as her death-blow my mother is perfectly independent he faltered she has her jointure has she not hawksyard for her life no the estate was strictly entailed i am sole master there i am glad of that said sir vernon it is an interesting old place daphne likes it murmured edgar fatuously i suppose you know that i can give my younger daughter no fortune if you could give her a million it would not make me one whit better pleased at winning her i believe you edgar answered sir vernon when a man of your mould is in love filthy lucre has very little weight with him there will be a residue i have no doubt when i am gone a few thousands but the bulk of my property was settled when i married lena's mother i suppose you know that lena is very pleased at the idea of having you for a brother-in-law i know nothing except that daphne has consented to be my wife lena announced the fact to me this morning at breakfast daphne was not down a headache a little natural shyness i dare say lena is very glad very much your friend she has always been that faltered edgar looking back with half incredulous wonder to the time when a word from lena had been enough to stir the pulses of his heart when the mention of her name was music i think i cannot do better for you than leave your happiness in lena's care said sir vernon daphne will not be married first of course might they not be married on the same day suggested edgar lena is to be married directly she comes of age is she not that has been proposed said sir vernon reluctantly but i am in no hurry to lose my daughter and i don't think lena is eager to leave me in my precarious state of health it will be hard for me to bear the pain of parting but my dear sir vernon she will be so near you quite close at hand remonstrated edgar inwardly 
revolting against this selfishness which would delay his own happiness as well as goring's don't talk about it turchill exclaimed sir vernon testily you don't understand you can't enter into my feelings my daughter is all the world to me now what will she be when she is a wife a mother with a hundred different interests and anxieties plucking at her heart-strings why i dare say a teething baby would be more to her than her father if i were on my deathbed. indeed sir vernon you wrong her i dare say i do but i am devoured with jealousy when i think of her belonging to any one else it is the penalty she pays for having been perfect as a daughter our virtues as well as our vices are often scourges for our own backs however when the time comes i must bear the blow with a smiling countenance that she may never know how hard i am hit only you can imagine i don't want to hasten the evil hour and now as i think we understand each other you may be off to pleasanter society than mine edgar instantly availed himself of this permission and hastened to the morning-room where madeline was seated at her work-table while daphne twisted herself round and round on the music-stool now talking to her sister now playing a few bars of one of schumann's kinderstucken anon picking out a popular melody she had heard the faithful bink whistle as he weeded his flower-beds she started a little at edgar's entrance and blushed celestial red love's proper hue much to the delight of her lover who hung out a rosy flag on his own side and looked as shy as any schoolgirl. he shook hands with madeline and then went straight to the piano and tried by a tender pressure of daphne's hand to express something of the rapture that was flooding his soul i've seen your father dearest he said in her ear as she went on lightly playing little bits of schumann he thoroughly approves he is glad then i am glad if he is glad and you are glad and madeline is glad answered daphne with a smile in which there was a subtle mockery that escaped edgar's perception what can i do better than please everybody you have made me the happiest man in creation does not every young man say that when he is engaged asked daphne laughingly i believe it is a formula and when he has been married a year the happiest man in creation takes to quarrelling with his wife however i hope we may not quarrel i will try to be as good to you as you have been to me and that is saying a good deal they lingered by the piano edgar pouring forth vague expressions of his delight his gratitude his intoxication of bliss daphne playing a little and listening a little with her eyes always on the keys offering her lover only the lashes dark brown with sparks of gold upon their tips for his contemplation but such lashes and such eyelids and such a lovely droop of the small classic head were enough to satisfy a lover's eye for longer than edgar was required to look at them by and by when he had exhausted a lover's capacity for talking nonsense he made a sudden dash at the practical i want you to come and see my mother daphne have you told her no not yet there has been no opportunity you know this was hardly true since seated opposite mrs turchill at the breakfast-table that morning edgar had vainly endeavoured to frame the sentence which should announce his bliss and had found an awkwardness in the revelation which required to be surmounted at more leisure 
i am going to tell her directly i go home it was better to see sir vernon first don't you know and i want you and madeline to come over to tea this afternoon you could drive over to hawksyard with daphne after luncheon couldn't you madeline he asked going over to the work-table it would be so good of you and would please my mother so very much would it asked lena smiling up at him then it shall be done the young man lingered as long as he could consistently with his performance of that duty which he felt must not be deferred beyond luncheon-time it was hardly a good time to choose for the revelation for mrs turchill was apt to be somewhat disturbed in her temper at the midday meal her patience having been exercised by sundry defalcations discovered in her morning round of the house it might be that new milk had been given away to unauthorized recipients or to pensioners who were only entitled to receive skimmed milk it might be an unexplainable evanishment of home-brewed beer or that the principal oak staircase was not so slippery as it ought to be or that the famous pewter dinner surface was tarnished or a favourite fender displayed spots of rust but there was generally something some feather weight of domestic care which disturbed the even balance of mrs turchill's mind at this hour like those modern scales which can be turned by an infinitesimal portion of a human hair so the fine balance of mrs turchill's temper required but very little to alter it edgar rode home to hawksyard in the clear bright winter noontide feeling as much like a convicted criminal as a young man of pure mind and clear conscience well could feel he went bustling into the dining-room rubbing his hands and making a great pretence of cheeriness his mother was standing on the hearth-rug knitting a useful brown winter sock for him he knew those active knitting-needles of hers were always at work for him he felt himself an ingrate as he thought of her labour well mother lovely weather isn't it so wintry and seasonable i hope you have had a pleasant morning about as pleasant as i can have in a nest of vipers answered mrs turchill frowning at her work and intent upon turning a heel what's up now asked edgar nothing startled by the vigour of her speech the beer consumed at christmas i won't say drunk for gallons of it must have been given away is something too dreadful to contemplate replied mrs turchill never mind the beer mother answered edgar still rubbing his hands before the fire and shifting from one foot to another in a manner that indicated a certain perturbation of spirit christmas comes only once a year you know and the servants ought to enjoy themselves that's all very well edgar within proper limits but when i see them stepping over the boundary line you feel that it's time to put on the drag interjected edgar of course very right and proper whatever should i do without such a dear prudent mother to look after things and then suddenly remembering that the most eager desire of his heart at this very moment was to substitute a foolish young wife for this wise and experienced housekeeper edgar turchill became suddenly as vermilion as the most vivid coxcomb in his mother's poultry-yard he felt that the revelation he had to make must be blurted out somehow there was no use in prancing before the fire making such a serious business of warming his hands i've been over to south hill this morning mother he said at last rather jerkily have you said mrs turchill curtly it seems to me you never go anywhere else well i'm afraid that's a true bill he answered laughing with affected heartiness very much as the timorous traveller whistles in a lonely wood i love the place and the people who live in it south hill has been my second home ever since i was a little bit of a chap at rugby 
but this morning i have been there on very particular business i have been having a serious talk with sir vernon i wonder if you could guess the subject of our conversation mother and spare my blushes in telling it it was mrs turchill's turn to assume the coxcomb's flaming hue if you have done anything to blush for edgar i am sorry for you she observed sternly your father was one of the most respectable men in warwickshire and the most looked up to or my father would not have allowed me to marry him you are taking me a trifle too literally mother answered edgar laughing uneasily i hope there is nothing disreputable in a man of my age falling in love and wanting to be married that's the only crime i have to confess this morning yesterday afternoon i asked daphne to be my wife and she consented and this morning i settled it all with sir vernon we are to be married on the same day as goring and madeline at least sir vernon said something to that effect indeed exclaimed mrs turchill freezingly indeed and now miss daphne has consented and sir vernon has consented and the very wedding day is fixed you do me the honour to inform me i thank you from my heart edgar for the respect and affection the consideration and regard you have shown for me in this matter i am not likely to forget your conduct dearest mother gasped edgar affrightedly for the icy indignation of his parents speech and manner went beyond the worst he had feared surely you are not offended surely but it is only what i might reasonably have expected pursued mrs turchill ignoring the interruption it is only what i ought to have looked for when a mother devotes herself day and night to her son when she studies his welfare and his comfort in everything when she sits up with him night after night with the measles quite unnecessarily as the doctor said at the time and reduces herself to a shadow when he has the scarlatina when she worries herself about him every time he gets damp feet and endures agony every hour of the day while he is out shooting this is pretty sure to be the result he is caught by the first pretty face he sees and his mother becomes a cipher in his estimation believe me that is not my case dear mother protested edgar putting his arm round the matron's waist which she made as inflexible as she possibly could for the occasion and trying to kiss her which she would not allow you will never cease to be valued and dear do you suppose there is no room in my heart for you and daphne i know she is a mere child a positive baby to place at the head of a house which you have managed so cleverly all these years but everything in this life must have a beginning don't you know and i rely upon you for teaching daphne how to manage her house that kind of thing cannot be taught edgar answered his mother severely it must be the gradual growth of years in an adaptable mind i don't believe daphne lawford will ever be a housekeeper it is not in her you might as well expect a butterfly to sit upon its eggs with the patience of a farmyard hen however sighed mrs turchill you have chosen for yourself did you suppose i should let any one else choose for me in such a matter mother i am sorry for my lovely stock of house linen the tea-cloths will get used in the stable and the kitchen-cloths will be made away with by wholesale never mind a few tea-cloths mother but it is not a few it is a great many i dare say that out of the twelve dozen that are now in the linen closet you won't have two dozen sound ones a twelvemonth after your marriage i think i should survive even that loss mother if you were happy answered edgar lightly how could i possibly be happy knowing the waste and destruction of things that i have taken so much trouble to get together i am sure i feel positively ill at the idea of the best class in china under the authority of a girl of eighteen your great-grandmother's crown derby dessert that which i have often been told is priceless yes mother by people who don't want to buy it 
if you wanted to sell it you would hear a very different story however i don't see any reason why daphne should not be able to take care of the dessert plates i've always kept chamois leather over each plate interrupted mrs turchill with a pensive shake of her head will she take as much trouble or why there should be waste and destruction anywhere daphne will not be the first young wife who ever had to take care of a house and i know by the way she learnt to row how easy it is to teach her anything easy to teach her to row or to ride or to play lawn-tennis or to do anything frivolous and useless i have no doubt retorted his mother but i don't believe it is in her to learn careful ways and the management of servants i only hope the waste and destruction will stop at the house linen i only hope she won't bring ruin upon you but when i think how many a young man of good means has been utterly ruined by an extravagant wife upon my word mother protested edgar with a dash of resentment feeling that this was too much you are making a perfect raven of yourself instead of being cheery and pleasant as i expected you to be i'm sorry i have not been able to choose a wife more to your liking as a daughter-in-law but marriage is one of the few circumstances of life in which selfishness is a duty and a man must please himself at any hazard of displeasing other people i don't believe there's a man who was at the hunt ball the other night who won't envy me my good luck very likely since men are influenced by mere outside prettiness said mrs turchill though even there daphne is by no means faultless her nose is too short now mother you have been so good to me all my life that it would be a very unnatural thing if you were to begin to be unkind all at once and in a crisis of my life in which i most need your love pleaded edgar with genuine feeling he put his arm round his mother's waist which this time was less inflexible than before he turned the matron's face towards his and lo her eyes were full of tears it would be very strange indeed if i could deny you anything she said strangling a sob there never was a child so much indulged as you were if you had cried for the moon it would have quite worried me that i wasn't able to get it for you and you would have given me a stable lantern instead answered edgar smiling yes best of mothers you have always been indulgent and you are going to be indulgent now and you will take daphne to your heart of hearts and be as fond of her as if she were that baby girl you lost grown up to womanhood don't edgar don't cried mrs turchill fairly overcome her bassinet is in the little oak room i was looking at it yesterday i have never got over that loss you will think she has come back to you some day when you have a little granddaughter said edgar tenderly his mother once reduced to the pathetic mood was perfectly tractable edgar petted and soothed her protested somewhat recklessly that the chief desire of daphne's life was to gain her affection announced the intended afternoon visit and obtained his mother's promise of a gracious reception when miss lawford and her sister arrived at about half-past four the drawing-room wore a hospitable aspect a huge log burning in the elizabethan fireplace flowers of a homely kind chrysanthemums and christmas roses crocuses and snowdrops about the rooms and an old-fashioned silver tea-tray on an old-fashioned sofa-table nothing of adam or chippendale or queen anne about it but a good old ponderous piece of rosewood furniture almost as heavy as a house mrs turchill received her guests with gracious smiles and with a heartiness that took daphne by surprise she had made up her mind that she was going to be snubbed and a dash of timidity gave a new grace to her beauty she was very grave and seemed to mrs turchill's scrutinizing eye to be fully awakened to the responsibilities of her position could she but remain in this better frame of mind she might fairly be trusted with the darby dessert service and the piled-up treasures of the linen closet mrs turchill made 
daphne sit on the sofa by her side while she poured out the tea and was positively affectionate in her manner you will be making tea in this pot before long she said with a loving glance at the fluted teapot it is not a good pourer you'll have to learn the knack of holding it exactly in the right position i hope you are not sorry faltered daphne in a very low voice meaning about the event generally not with any special reference to the teapot well my dear i am too truthful a woman to deny that it was a blow returned mrs turchill candidly edgar had kept out of the way when the sisters arrived wishing his mother to have daphne all to herself for a little while i suppose that kind of thing must always be a blow to a mother my son's my son till he gets him a wife you know i hope edgar will never be any less your son than he is at this moment said daphne i should not like him so well as i do if i thought his regard for me could make him one shade less devoted to you well my dear time will show replied mrs turchill doubtfully as a rule young wives are very selfish they expect to monopolize their husband's affection all i hope is that you love edgar as he deserves to be loved there never was a worthier young man and no girl could hope for a better husband than he will make to this exhortation daphne replied nothing she sat with downcast eyes stirring her tea and mrs turchill taking this silence for maidenly reserve transferred her attentions to madeline i am so sorry mr goring did not drive over with you she said i quite expected him you are very kind answered lena he has gone to london i had a telegram from euston station an hour ago gerald has some business to settle with his london lawyers and is likely to be away for some days i am afraid you must find south hill very dull in his absence suggested mrs turchill politely i miss him very much but i don't think i am very dull my father occupies a good deal of my time and then there is daphne who has generally plenty to say for herself meaning that i am an insatiable chatterer said daphne laughing i am afraid it was div i mean martha an old schoolfellow of mine who got me into the habit of talking so much was she a great talker quite the contrary she rarely opened her mouth except to put something into it so i acquired the pernicious habit of talking for two edgar now came in and seeing daphne and his mother seated side by side upon the sofa felt himself exalted to the seventh heaven of tranquil joy this and this only was needed to fill his cup of bliss that his mother should be content that life should flow on smoothly in the old grooves well daphne how do you like the look of hawksyard in the winter i think it is quite the nicest old place in the world i haven't seen much of the world but i can't imagine a more interesting old house you will like it better and better as you become acquainted with it said mrs turchill it is one of the most convenient houses i ever saw and i have seen a good many in my time my husband's mother was a capital housekeeper and she did not rest till she had made the domestic arrangements as near perfection as was possible in her time i have tried to follow in her footsteps and to make perfection still more perfect said edgar there are modern inventions and improvements edgar which your grandmother knew nothing about not that i hold with them all if you are not tied for time added mrs turchill addressing herself to the two young ladies i should very much like to show daphne the domestic offices it would give her an idea of what she will have to deal with by and by daphne who knew about as much as a butterfly knows of the management of a house smiled faintly but said nothing she had come to hawksyard determined to make herself pleasing to mrs turchill if it were possible for edgar's sake i ventured to tell them to take out the horses said edgar knowing that you don't dine till eight 
i shall be pleased to stay as long as mrs turchill likes answered madeline whereupon the matron acknowledging this speech with a gracious bend rose from her sofa took her key-basket from the table and led the way to the corridor in which opened those china and linen stores which were the supreme delight of her soul swelling with pride in the consciousness of duty done she displayed and descanted on her treasures and the convenient arrangement thereof the old diamond-cut glass the bow the staffordshire the swansea the derby cups and saucers and plates and dishes crockery bought in the common way of life and now of inestimable value she showed her goodly piles of linen and damask which a flemish housewife might have envied she led her guests to the dairy which in its smaller and humbler way was as neat and dainty and ornamental as her majesty's dairy at frogmore she talked learnedly of butter-making cream cheeses and the disposal of skim milk daphne wondered to find how large a science was this domestic management of which she knew absolutely nothing a house of this kind requires a great deal of care and a great deal of thought said mrs turchill with a solemn air old servants are a great comfort but they have their drawbacks and require to be kept in check with a young inexperienced mistress i am afraid they will be tempted to take many liberties mrs turchill concluded her speech with a gentle sigh and a regretful glance at daphne not an unfriendly look by any means but it expressed her foreboding of future ruin for the house of hawksyard End of chapter twenty two